Hello and welcome to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Chris Schaefer, and as of today, when this podcast is publishing and going live, it is Christmas Day, so Merry Christmas to everyone. I assume that most of you are not going to listen to this on the day of release because you're at home with your families, as you should be, but I still have packed content every single week we don't take a break we don't take a day off right the content's still going to roll out i did record this ahead of time because i am also enjoying my christmas as you are but once it's time to get back to work you'll have another episode and that's why it's here so i thank everyone for their subscription here to the podcast stay tuned because i have a ton of stuff coming up in 2024 that i'm excited to share continuing on with the principles of google ads series that i've been doing i have lots of other ideas and of course i'll be continuing to keep you informed about google ads making sure that you're not missing out that you know what's happening in google ads that you know what you need to know to make a successful campaign for your business, for your clients, however you're using it. So I want to begin this episode with a reminder about the sponsor, Optio.com. That's O-P-T-E-O.com slash P-S-P to get a wonderful deal they're offering for you now. It's still available, still available. You can do two months for free of the Paid subscription. Everybody else is paying for this subscription to try the Optio software out there. You get to try it for two months free because you listen to this podcast. Use the chat box at the URL, optio.com slash PSP, to get the free trial. The link is in the description. Click that and tell them you want to try their software for two months because Chris said you could. Chris said you're a special person. And you get a special offer just for you. You don't, If you don't know what it is, the software is designed for the people that would be listening to a podcast like this. If you are a Google Ads nerd, if you freak out over fluctuations in your account, if you do spreadsheets, if you create graphs and charts to see your data, this software will take you to the moon. It has so much data for you to split and see things. One of the things I love is that you can see your data in a different light. I tell you, that's, that is really cool to be able to experience the information in Google ads in a different type of dashboard interface, different types of graphics to be able to just see it differently. And you may spot something you never saw before, but it goes far beyond that. It helps you with amazing optimization opportunities that you would have never seen otherwise. So I appreciate their sponsorship and please show them your appreciation for making this whole podcast free by checking them out. I would greatly appreciate it. So I am, as you can tell by the title, not doing a Google ads principle today. I'll be resuming that in the new year, but what I'll be doing for this episode is number one, I have a special guest at the end of the episode. Be sure and stick around. We have the very popular Joey Bidner, who will be discussing a very interesting topic. He has his own version of 
a principle of Google Ads that he's going to lay out about reporting. Very important. He speaks to both the managers of Google Ads as well as business owners out there. Great advice he's going to dole out. So stay tuned for that. But before we jump in, I do have, of course, I'm not going to have a normal episode without answering a question from a listener. So Eric has a question. If you would like to ask a question like Eric, you can go to paidsearchpodcast.com. You can also just email me directly at paidsearchpodcast at gmail.com. That email is for questions about the Google ads to send me to answer on the show. And that's how you get in touch with me as a podcast host. If you want to get in touch with me on a more professional level about Google ads, you can go to chrisschafer.com. So Eric's question is this. Hi, Chris, longtime listener to your podcast, but first time asking a question. He says, does it make sense to ever periodically remove negative keywords from a campaign to see if the traffic to that keyword has changed in quality. Optio sometimes suggests, there you go. I told you, I told you. Everyone that listens to this podcast uses Optio. If you're not using it, you're in the minority. He says it right there. Optio sometimes suggests adding negative keywords that should be very high qualified. And he's curious if once you add a negative keyword or a negative keyword list, should you possibly leave them there forever or should you consider removing them in the future for testing to see how things have changed? Well, Eric, I know you sent in multiple questions. This one really spoke to me. I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was a great one because it has never really occurred to me. Well, I mean, I've done it in the past. I will say I have removed negative keywords in the past and that has only happened or something that I've considered doing in the past. Whenever the campaign is just experiencing absolute <laughs> unprecedented failure, basically. I think that's the only time I've ever considered it and, and done it is whenever I'm just, you know, I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm like, what is, go did I add a negative keyword that's killing this campaign? Is there something going on? something I've done, and it's usually over a longer term, right? This is something where I've gone years and years with an account, and for some reason I'm just seen dwindling. The, the campaign has taken a hit, and I cannot isolate the performance inhibitor of this campaign. So at times I have removed negative keywords, and it's not something that I do outside of that kind of situation. I have only done it whenever there's been a major issue and I, you know it's kind of a last ditch kind of crazy idea. Let's see what happens basically. Let's see what happens when I remove all the negative keywords. Now as far as just like a strategy thing, this is something you do regularly. Removing negative keywords is not something that I can say I've ever done. And perhaps that's because the way that I add negative keywords. And let me let me lay this out because I think that's an important, if you find yourself adding a lot of negative keywords, you have thousands upon thousands of negative keywords and you're starting to wonder, do I have too many? Have I gone too far? Let me suggest category here. If you have not considered that 
There's a third category to keywords. This might be a good time for you to start putting this into practice. So the first category, of course, is just a keyword. Your targeted keyword, broad, phrase, exact. You know, it's the keyword that you that you target. If you're selling widgets, your keyword might be buy widget near me, right? That's the keyword. Everybody knows keywords. That's category one. Category two is a negative keyword, something that you want to block out of your campaign or account entirely. You add a negative keyword. If you don't sell white widgets, you only sell orange widgets, then you might block the word white. And you don't sell those. That's not what you do. You only sell orange. So you block that word. That's a negative keyword. Now, let me introduce you to the third category. The third category does not technically exist, except in your mind. It is a leave-it-alone keyword. It's not targeted. It's not blocked. It's just nowhere. It doesn't exist, except in your mind. So, let's say that you're selling white widgets, toys of some kind, something like that. And you are unsure if beige qualifies as something someone we w would want when they land on your site. They're searching for beige and you're like, well, I kind of sell beige widgets. I mean, they're, they're technically white widgets. Or no, I got that. In, I got this analogy wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Let's pretend you sell white widgets. I know I screwed up the whole pattern here. You sell white widgets <laughs> and you don't want orange. So orange you've blocked, let's say. And white is what you're selling. And you don't want to target beige as an actual keyword. But you are willing to let that traffic come through. It's kind of in between. It's not less quality and it's not better quality it's just kind of it's just kind of traffic that you'll get and you haven't really determined if you want it or not because you don't really have any data on it it comes in sometimes organically through your seo maybe it comes in through paid traffic maybe it comes in through some broad keywords in your paid tra paid traffic and you don't really have a opinion on it one way or the other. This is the third category of just a leave it alone, blank, non-existent keyword. It just happens and you're indifferent to that traffic. So that's how I think about negative keywords. A lot of my negative keywords end up being third category keywords that I just don't block and don't target. So I don't have thousands of keywords in my campaigns. I have a few hundred, maybe. Some accounts I have 50, some accounts I have 75, 100, something like that. But I, I certainly don't have thousands. I don't have 500. I have hundreds, typically. And I think that's because of the way that I think about negative keywords. So most of the time, the reason I don't think about removing them is because I don't have an excess. I don't have a ton. And when I add a negative keyword, I, all, I, I tend to add them at the core root of the word. In the example that I used, if you 
don't sell white widgets, but you do sell orange widgets, I'm going to add the word white by itself as a negative keyword. I don't add white widget, white widgets, widget white. I just add the word white because I don't, anything having to do with white, I don't want to show up for it. I don't sell white widgets. I sell only orange. So perhaps that's why I don't really consider deleting negative keywords or removing them entirely simply because I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm weird. I don't know if everyone else is different than me and has thousands upon thousands of keywords, but I find everyone approaches negative keywords differently. So I thought it'd be useful to share. So moving on. I'm not doing a topic of the day myself. Joey will be taking that on in a moment. But one thing I wanted to share in, in, in carrying on with last week's episode about things I learned in 2023, this week I want to do something a little along that line and talk about some of the amazing things that I had learned, some of the amazing stories some of the amazing successes, amazing things that really stuck with me this year that I think you might benefit from. So I want to go through a few examples. I have three examples, each in different industries. I have a lot of clients that I work with. I work across all different industries. And these three happen to be, the first one is in the divorce arena, divorce legal services, divorce attorney. The other one is in HVAC, which is AC, heater, repair, replacement, installation, things like that, HVAC. And the last one is in the marriage venue, a, 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 a venue facility. Happens to be specifically for marriages. So let's go through them. The first one is around the divorce attorney. I had an idea to try and kick up a little bit more volume for my client. I I was finding that pressing on the bids more and more was only just driving the total CPC up, which was driving the total clicks down and was resulting in less conversions because I just got less traffic. The, the conversion rate stayed about the same, but... I would just get less conversions simply because I'd got less traffic and the CPC would start going up and up. So instead of playing the bidding game, I worked on undercutting my competition by getting to them before they did that expensive search. So what I did is I created a high funnel ad group and actually ran this ad group inside of the other campaign and because I'm using manual bids, I was able to cut the bids down way lower on this high funnel ad group and run it alongside my low funnel ad group. Now, the keywords that I used were things like how to file for divorce, how to get divorce papers, how to apply for divorce. They were all broad match. They were all low bid, broad match, dumped into the same ad group, same ad copy, and the reason this is on my list of things that I'd like to share with you is because it ended up being about a tenth of the volume 
So if I got 50 conversions, it would bring in five additional conversions. So it's a tenth of the total volume of the main ad group. But the great thing is, is those 10 had a 150% better cost per acquisition. It was 150% lower than the CPA that I was getting for the main one. So not only did it bring in a little bit more, it brought in an additional 10% conversions, but it also brought them in at a very low cost per acquisition. This is great. This is something to remind yourself. There is not just one way to get the traffic that you want. You can find the traffic in other routes and high funnel campaigns can, high funnel ad groups, high funnel keywords can do that for you. And that worked perfectly, worked great. Not a whole lot of spend, very easy to build. And over time I was able to tweak it and modify it and get what I wanted out of it. So next we get into my second example. The other thing that was an amazing story for 2023 was an HVAC client. Heating, ventilation, and air. I think that's what it stands for. So this, if, you, if you've run an HVAC, plumber, electrician, any kind of home service campaign, you know that getting competitor traffic is a major thing. It happens so much. You have a keyword like HVAC company near me, HVAC company plus the, the geographic area. And you end up getting all kinds of searches like Randall's HVAC or Tim's quality HVAC services. You know, you get names, you get all kinds of made up terms like lighthouse HVAC or premium HVAC. You did not target those. They are absolutely competitors. And I firmly believe in blocking them. I do not allow them in my campaigns because I did not target them black and white. I don't want them. didn't target them. I'm going to block them. So one constant process that I've been working on since early this year, I've had this client for about 10, 11 months now, and I started early 2023. And it has been a constant struggle of slowly blocking those competitors. I'm happy to say that it has become much less of a task now than it did in the first half of the year. And the result is, I end up getting about the same conversion volume, <laughs> right? That doesn't sound like a success at all, right? That's kind of underwhelming. You're saying, Chris, that you spend a ton of time doing this and you get about the same conversions. Yes, I'm getting about the same conversions. But the reason it's a good story to share is because I'm now getting conversions of a better quality. This client is getting about the same conversion numbers, but they're getting better conversion quality. The leads are not just people saying, hey, is this Joe? No, this isn't Joe. This is so-and-so. Oh, no, never mind. Now that counted as a conversion in Google Ads because they stayed on for the on the phone for a minute. You know, who, who knows? Many times that ends up tracking as a conversion, but it's not qualified. It's It's a waste. It's a waste of the client's money. It's a waste of the client's time. 
And in the end, they end up getting the same number of conversions, but those leads are better because people are actually not looking for Joe. They're looking for someone. They're looking for a company, a service provider. And it's, it's great. It is so nice to be able to have so much more consistency in the quality of the leads. And that has had an amazing effect by blocking those competitor searches. All right, so now we get to number three. Number three is this. It is a venue where people get married. And this was in the works for about three months. I was working on this account for about three months last year. And after about three, four months, I decided to switch over from manual bidding to maximize conversion bidding. That happened after three or four months, and I was somewhat happy with the results. I was getting better results, but they were fluctuating. I would find things would go up and down, up and down, and I wasn't really happy with that. I wanted consistent results. I wanted to be able to point to a steady flow of quality and consistent conversion volumes, if not growing performance, at least consistent. The up and down is driving me crazy. So then I moved to target CPA. So basically you can go from maximize conversions to a target CPA simply by adding a goal to your maximize conversions. So if you just set the bidding at maximize conversions, that's maximize conversions. But if you set the bidding at maximize conversions and say, I want bid, I, I want conversions at $200 per lead, that's now target CPA. Very subtle difference. It's a different name because of that one goal that is set in the account. And the results? The results were steady, consistent conversions. Very few fluctuations. I was so much happier with this. I uh, Looking at it on the screen, if I look at you know, the past 400 days of data, it's this bouncy, boom, 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 bouncing, bouncing back and forth in manual, going up, up, up. It's getting better and better and better. And then moving into max conversions, it spikes and then drops and spikes and drops. And then turning on target CPA, boom, straight line across. Steady, straight line across, steady conversions. And the fact that I can adjust that at any time, increase, decrease the target CPA to broaden or shrink the window of the target of what they're looking for. That is, that is phenomenal. It is, it's been working wonderfully for me. And the main thing that I want to point out by this that you can learn is not just that target CPA is better than maximized conversions. I think a lot of people know that, but I want to point out the progression at which I did this. First, I started with manual CPC. Phase one, manual CPC is get qualified traffic. Then I moved into phase two, where I was getting qualified traffic. I started getting conversions. 
And then moving into phase three, I changed it over to max conversions. And I was able to get more conversions and then less conversions. And I'm working on maintaining and hitting that goal. And I was able to stabilize and stay in phase three by changing it to target CPA. So if you've ever wondered what the phasing system of Google Ads looks like, phase one for me is manual. Phase two is largely manual, possibly maximize conversions. And then phase three moves into maximize conversions and possibly target CPA. I now have a goal. I have now established success and I want to try and measure and maintain that success based on this threshold that I can move up and down with the target CPA bid. So that's it. I, I, I hope that's useful. I hope that makes sense to you and that those stories can help you make some better decisions in your campaigns. So, all right, we have a guest on the show. There's not, you know, you don't usually hear very different voices than my own voice, but I've gotten compliments of people saying that Joey has, has, has they've enjoyed hearing Joey. So I, I do, he's, he's been gracious enough to come in and offer a really interesting talk about reporting, how to do reporting the right way. And he speaks both to managers and business owners and gives some wonderful tips that I think you will greatly benefit from. So without further ado, Joey, take it away. Hey, Chris. So in today's uh, episode of Principles of Google Ads, I, um, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the principle of reporting and um, what that's like when you have to report some bad news. Um, you know, Google Ads is not something that is always on the up. We can't expect to always have growth and positive results. Results are going to fluctuate. And I find as Google Ads managers, um, there is this, this built-in notion, maybe it's the ego, but that when you know what you're talking about, that everything that you think up and every strategy you execute has to work, right? And I think that this is a, a really something really important to talk about because we can't be romantic about our processes and we need to be the first ones to call out something when it's not working. We need to be the first ones in the room to say, hey, you know, this idea, strategy, keyword, whatever it is, is not working and performance is bad. Um, and a, a clients will really appreciate when, when you come to them, especially when you're proactive about this and you come to them first and say, hey, like, I don't know about you. I'm sure you're feeling this on your end, but hey, I've got, um, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about these, about the data we're feeling right now. And what's important is that you use those, you use that as an opportunity to talk about what you're learning from the data. You know, we can't always just, you know, promise profits. What we can promise is that we can learn from data and um, data should be regarded as so. There's always a lesson in, in a fluctuation, right? There's always a lesson in, in a fluctuation of data. And we always want to use those lessons to make the next plan, the next step. So I always like to be proactive uh, about when data fluctuates and um, and just kind of step down from that concept that we always need growth. We always need positive growth. And it's not a, 
um, a reflection of you doing a bad job when data fluctuates. Because by having this conversation up front, maybe there's pieces of the puzzle that you didn't know that you would only uncover by having the conversation. So for example, maybe there's an inventory issue, maybe it's seasonal and you wouldn't, there's things that you wouldn't know that the client can reassure you of, and then you can pivot your strategy because of this. So I think it's really important to be upfront when data is bad and don't take it as a, as a personal hit of, oh, I'm being a, I'm, I'm, I'm not proving my worth, right? Our worth, or I think, Chris, you've said it in the past, our job is to test stuff, right? Our job is not necessarily just to always get good performance. Our job is to get qualified traffic and test the different ways we can do that in order to hope for a good result. Um, So by thinking of Google Ads like that, we can step down from that platform of, I'm always gonna drive good results and, and just be transparent about the data that we are seeing and um, learn from fluctuations and, and make plans forward. And, and then the other side of this is also when, when a client comes to you and says, oh, you know, performance is down. And there's usually two scenarios, right? One that I see a lot is when the client is looking at the wrong KPI. And this often comes from giving clients too many KPIs in your reporting. And we're going to get to that in a second on on how we pick KPIs and what should be included in a report and how we deliver reports. But one side of it is, yeah, maybe they're looking at the wrong KPI, but the other side of it is when let's, if, if data is showing that performance is bad, I think it's really important to sympathize with the client first. Um, I know I've been in that situation a client jumps at you and they're frustrated and you get on the defense, right? You feel like, Oh, I need to protect my position, protect my ego job. It's like, it's not about you. The client is feeling a lot of things that you're not feeling because it's not our money on the line. So the best thing we can do is sympathize and be like, oh, man, I understand this is I can imagine this is painful for you. And you can reassure them that like, yeah, when the data goes down, it's painful for me, too. And let's work this together. Let's understand what's really happening. Let's, you know, hopefully find some insights from it and work together to make a plan forward. And that will I've seen it like totally just bring the temperature of the room down um, because yeah, those, those conversations can be heated um, and it's not directed at you when it is heated. It's just their money's online and maybe there's other stuff in their life going on. And sometimes as the manager, yeah, maybe you are the, the punching bag for the day because of all this stuff going, going on in their life. And then when data goes down, it's like, ah, I got somebody I can yell at. That happens a lot. And a little bit of sympathy, a little bit of empathy, not sympathy, empathy goes a long way. So you want to empathize with your client, bring the temperature down, and then be willing to recognize a fluctuation in data and not try to hide it. Like one of the things I always see, I've, I've seen so many times at agencies, for example, is vanity metrics to, to push aside some poor performance. Like, oh yeah, conversions are low, but look at that click-through rate. I mean, that's really good. Like that is just, we call it vanity metrics, right? Metrics that in the conversation you're having don't matter. And you want to really um, identify the KPIs that matter. That's a, a huge part of this too. You really need to be good at identifying what KPIs matter, but then also identifying what their real 
benchmarks are. Now, I won't get too into, into it right now on how to evaluate what your KPI benchmarks should be, there, whether it's lead generation or e-commerce. There are equations and formulas and strategies on evaluating what benchmarks are. Maybe we'll talk about that in another episode. That's a big part of it. Um, but it's just identifying what your KPIs are and sticking to them. And I think that actually segues on to the next point, which is how to convey your performance, right? There's a lot of ways to do it. Um, so once you've established what your KPIs are, you want to build some report, some reporting method that is, excuse me, that is um, lean in what you show. I personally don't like over bloated reports that again, show every vanity metric. I like to have a very lean report that just has really the things that matter to the client's business goals, because the client doesn't need to see all the metrics that we use to optimize their account. They need to see all the metrics that prove to them that they're meeting by means of Google ads, they're meeting their business goals. That's what matters to them. So my reports are usually quite lean and there's a few ways you can report, right? You can, choose to report at the end of every month, you know, using a, a software like Optio, they have really great um, re report automation tools where it will create a custom report at the end of every month, automate the email, even have AI built into it to help with that conversational elements of the report to explain trends and it's fantastic. Um, or one of the things, another method that I like to use for some clients is creating a live dashboard they can access at any time, right? Um, so, Google Data Studios, or it's, it's called Looker Studios now. It's a free platform, and you can plug in your Google Ads, your GA4, even you know LinkedIn Ads, whatever other advertising you're doing. But I primarily just use it for Google Ads because that integration is free, um, and and GA4, and it can be a, a custom live report that the client can access at any time, and it's got a date range that they can set. So if they want to look at the data today, the last seven days, the last six months it will dynamically pull in the data and they can see it at any time. And this is really helpful for clients that maybe you don't meet once a month. And I wanted to mention that because not every client needs once a month reporting. This is a big thing. A lot of my clients, I don't meet or report every month because sometimes it doesn't make sense. If a client, and you see this a lot in lead generation or high ticket e-commerce, really expensive items, if the, in Google ads, it's called conversion lag, or if the customer conversion cycle, meaning the amount of time it takes for somebody to click an ad to convert to a lead. If that is longer than 30 days, or even if it's up to two weeks, sometimes reporting in 30 days is really misleading because the click that you got on the 16th day of the month has not yet matured to convert. You need, you need to give that full time window to really be able to evaluate and see, are the tests I'm doing right now working? And if you report every month, it can be really misleading because you're looking at like a, you're like a, a periscope, right? You're looking through a thin telescope and you're missing the whole picture. So there's certain clients that I say, okay, we meet quarterly. You get your reporting quarterly, but you have this live dashboard that you can use to, to check in on things. So, you know, you don't feel in the dark. And then what, what I like to do also is I will touch base um, semi-frequently for small little performance updates by means of, I like to, like I'm doing right now, 
take a, a recording of me talking, maybe recording my screen for five minutes. And I'll just say, hey, um, this current test we're doing, uh, this is an interesting observation that I made. Um, and I'll usually just do them very informally, um, randomly, really, just as I'm observing data, when I see something that's worth mentioning, whether it be positive or negative, I'll make a quick little video and send it to them over email. And clients also really like this because they can watch it at their own time. I'm sure you've already experienced it. Sometimes it can be really hard to schedule clients. You know, you've got a client that likes to meet with their whole team and everyone's got different schedules and you don't necessarily have the same schedule as them. And I find having less frequent, as funny as it sounds, less frequent group meetings, but more frequent touch base point points of touching base by means of these small little honest transparent videos and then a dashboard they can access at all times so if i personally have been getting a lot of success with that and um yeah i wanted to share it so i think in summary what i really just wanted to highlight was how important it is to not be romantic about our processes be willing to rip something down after you built it up if it's not working and to tell the client um, something is not working when it isn't or to be willing to have those hard conversations to investigate further and and get to really get to the bottom of the something and we're not about making us look good right we're about honesty and that's the relationship that will last a long time with clients when you're just honest about the traffic you're bringing in and, and working as hard as you can to convert that traffic to grow their business and to keep their business goals in mind. So I guess that's it for today and I'll pass it back to you, Chris. See you later. Thank you so much, Joey. Such great information. And Joey gets the privilege of having the last word on the podcast of the year. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you so much, Joey, for putting that in. I, I, th I think there's, so much more to be said in the new year 2024 i hope that all of you can join me if you'd like to reach out to joey the link will be in the description it's joeybidner.com you can reach out to him i also offer google ads consulting joey is great at offering professional opinions especially in the e-commerce arena he also does lead generation stuff like that you know and i i work as a google ads consultant to offer management and coaching for people who need help from beginner to advanced. I offer many solutions there. So thanks so much for being here. I will catch you next year.